Welcome to the Wraparound Love Podcast, where you will hear the very difficult stories behind why people make the choices that they do. As we share these stories, you will be inspired by how the love of God transformed each person's life when individual Christians chose to consistently engage by simply being someone who gave what we call wraparound love. Welcome to episode seven of the Wraparound Love podcast. And my name is Janine Wagner, and I am here again with my friend, Barbara Robinson. Hello, Barbara. Hey, Janine. So today is the day I think many of the people who've been listening to this have been waiting for. We get to start talking about how Wraparound Love really changed your life. And so if you want to just remind our listeners what you define wraparound love as. I define wraparound love as loving a person anyway, loving them through anything that they go through, supporting them through anything. You have a remarkable story where many people have intersected to give you that wraparound love. And so in our last episode, we heard about how you were the first person in the state of Nebraska to get your rights back as a parent fully restored. And that is an amazing story. And from my seat, and I know your seat, it's a miracle of God that he really prompted you for and and basically just said, follow me and wait. And you were able to do that. But in the midst of that, there were people that were coming alongside you that helped you to become sober, helped you to become a better parent, those types of things. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start with your husband, who is your husband now, Perry. And you talked about him a little bit in the last episode, but we're going to start there. And I want you to remind us how you and Perry met. <laughs> um. I was hanging out in this area, angry at the world because I had lost my kids. And this time I believed it was for the last time. And I'm running in and out of this apartment. And it's funny because one day I walked past this apartment and I looked in the window and I'm like, what idiot has a weight set in their living room? Like exercise weights? Yeah, it was just a weight set in the living room. And there was a love seat and there was a weight set. And I'm like, who does that? So I, you know, I'm just walking. This is when I'm in one of my tantrums, high, just walking around the apartment complex. So one day I was going into this apartment and I heard somebody say, hey, what's your name? And I said, I'm Barbara Martin. Why? And he said, oh, yeah, some guys pulled up and one of them said he was looking for his girlfriend, Barbara Martin. I said, well, I ain't got no boyfriend, but you tell him I'm over here in apartment six. <laughs> what? Why did you say that? Yes, I don't got I didn't have no boyfriend. So you wanted one or what? No. Um <laughs> at this time, you know, I'm on drugs. I'm right. hustling. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. So whatever so, you can get. Yeah, I didn't want to miss anybody or miss anything, you know. So if they look for me, I'm over here in apartment six. So he says, Hey, come here. I'm like, hey, this puny guy won. So he's like, uh yeah, you know, I'll be seeing you walk around here. And I'm looking at him like, when does he see me? Because I don't see him. He says, I'll be seeing you walking around here on your business and stuff. And he said, I can help you. I can hit you off. And I said, hit me off. What do you mean? Well, I can give you money. You know, if you was my girl, I would help you. So that's all he had to say was money. I'm like, 
Okay, uh, so what you do? He said, here, here's my phone, and I'm going to call you tonight when I get off of work. I said, do this phone work? He said, yeah. I said, who do you live up here with, your sister? He said, no. He says, I, I live up here by myself. He said, but, you know, I read my Bible, and I pray, and all the time I see your face, and, I, you know, I'm just going to love you until you can love yourself. I'm like, the heck? Oh, I got me a good one. I am finna run him through the ringer. So he said, I'm going to love you until, until you, you love yourself. Where where did this dude come from? I don't know, but I thought from the um, banana boat, I was like, yeah. I wasn't thinking nothing spiritual. Everything I was thinking was demonic at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing if you think about it. He doesn't know you. No. Don't know my story. Don't know nothing. And he knows you don't love yourself. Yeah. He just no. sees that and just says, I'm going to love you until you can love yourself. And and then he thought that I was out there hustling, making money when really in order I'm hustling backwards, which means whatever money I make, I'm trying to get some more drugs so I could uh, use again. So he he didn't know what the heck was going on. So he didn't understand that lifestyle. No. He was never part of that. No. He probably was around it, you know, been around it. But believe you me, through the uh, almost 16 years we've been married, uh, some of the stuff that's happened in our life, um, it just leaves his big brown eyes like in like, oh, goodness. I've seen that shock on his face, actually. Yes. Okay, so he called that night. And so you guys, did you become like boyfriend, girlfriend, or what was the situation? I think we did. He called that night. I went to his house. I stayed the night with him the next morning. He took me to the store, got me what I wanted, gave me money. And then this time he told me to drop him off at work and I could get his car. And he had like a 2000 something truck. I'm like, what in the heck? And so this went on, I would say May, probably to mid-June or so. And then he just was like, wait a minute, wait, I changed my mind. You drink too much. Um, The money I get you, I don't never see you get your hair done um yeah i'm no this ain't so i just was like okay no sweat off my back at this time he doesn't know anything about your kids he knows that i have kids but he thought they were out of town okay Mm -hmm. so you guys you guys break up because you drink too much he doesn't want to be part of that Mm -hmm. so how do you get back together and we broke up for like three days and in those days it was, I mean, those days it was hell. I, I had a fight. I was robbed. It was just bad. It was just bad. I, I had even walked to this church down the street from my house asking them, you know, I need some help. And you would be surprised how many churches say they're going to do something. They want to help you. And then when you walk into their church, smelling like drugs and alcohol and needing some help. How many of them turn up their nose at you and give you, well, don't call us, let us call you. And so I then was like, Lord, I guess I'm going to die like this. Can I pause you there? You are still talking to God. Who is God to you at this point? He's God. I I knew God anyway. Um, I was raised in church. But then I started at the Williams Repair Place. I started learning who he is and what he wants for my life. But then I kind of felt like, okay, I started on this path with him, but I have messed up. And since I messed up, he probably ain't going to hear me now. And, you know, we as followers of Christ, Christians, 
people who have relationship with God, when we try to teach someone about God, but then they result back to what they know, we tend to kind of shun them or put them in shame and make them feel like, you know, if you're their rep- if you the representative that they have between them and God, how you treat them is how they feel God is looking at them. So if you looking at them full of shame and disgust, that's how I felt. You know, that's how people feel. <laughs> we have to watch that. We have to still love because it didn't make no difference what I was doing. God still loved me. And I didn't know that yet. I didn't know that yet. But God sent Perry yeah. for you to know that. So you had three bad days. Everything was just kind of falling apart. So yeah. what did you do? I called Perry and I called these uh, husband and wife team, Reverend Randy Merriweather and his wife, Faye Merriweather. And they came to my house and Perry's sitting there. And I told them that I need to tell him the truth about my history and what's going on. And they were like, oh, he doesn't know. And I'm like, no, he don't. And so um, I told him I was on drugs. I told him my kids was in foster care. I'm probably going to lose them and all kind of stuff. I didn't understand this at this day, but now that I know his mother and father, you know, he just put his arm around me, patted me on the back and he told me, that's okay. We're going to work it out. Don't use drugs no more. And I was like <laughs> saying to myself, oh my <laughs> but only, that's kind of sweet. If only it was that easy. Yeah, it was sweet. I mean, that's kind of what you needed was someone kind of naive yeah. to just love you for you yeah. and not the drama. Yeah. He just didn't know what he was signing up for. <laughs> yeah. So he said, what do we need to do? And I said, I need to take all this furniture and put it in storage and need to go to treatment. So you went to treatment. Yep. I went to Campus of Hope for the second time. And I graduated August 22nd, 2005. During this time, though, it's crazy because when I went in for that treatment, that 30-day treatment, I was pregnant and I had a missed miscarriage. My body was full of drugs. I'm out of shock. My body's out of shock. I'm not using drugs. I'm eating. And the body just missed that I had a miscarriage. So when I went to the doctor for an ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. So I had to have a DNC, um, but I came back to the um, treatment. And then I got out August 22nd, and um, he told me that we shouldn't live together not being married. So I'm just like, Perry is something else. What the heck? Let's do it. So four o'clock. So you got married that day? Judge McQuaid. And so his mom, you know, she thought she was just taking us to pick out some rings. What? And so we're like, okay, we got to be at the courthouse at four o'clock. And she's like, from what? And we're like, we're getting married today. She's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you guys get married. And then he wants to move from the apartment complex where we were staying at because he knew I was using right across the way. So we did September. We moved into this house, the house where we live at now. So how did you do staying sober? I stayed sober for a year. And then I was so close to getting my kids back. Stay sober for a year. And then I'm like, okay, I got to stop this. I got to get myself together. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to get myself together. And he's going to give my kids back this one last time. And God was like, no. And I like I kept going back to him praying, Lord, I always work it out. I always because, you know, my kids remember they were in and out of foster care. So I was always able to 
get them out of foster care, but then I lose them back. So I'm like, Lord, you know, come on, I, I can I can do this. I'm up for termination of parental rights, but I know that you can help me. You know, I've been honest with everybody. I tell them what I'm using. Lord, just help me. And he just kept on saying no. Because you were still, you were back to using at this no, point. At this time now, um, my thoughts were clear. I had stopped using and my thoughts was clear. What stopped me, I found that I was pregnant and I went to Charles Drew Health Center and there was a doctor by the name of Dr. Michael Reed there. And he looked at my records and he must have tested my, my system. And he told me that he knew I was using and hey, you're going to lose this baby like you lost the rest of them. And you know, you, you think this working man wants a woman who's losing her kids and all that stuff. And I'm just standing there. I couldn't believe that a health doctor was saying this to me, but he said it and it just was like, Ooh. so, you know, I, I got sober again and um, I thought I was pregnant with Grace and heard from God to name her Grace and Mercy, which was God's grace and his mercy allowing me to be a parent again because God was also telling me to let my other children go, that I had interrupted their life too much and that I needed to let them go. And so I thought that my children was in, you know, a good place. I thought that they were happy where they were at. I later found out that there was emotional and verbal abuse but I, instead of going to court, having my rights terminated, I agreed to relinquish. And the judge told me then that if I was clean and sober and still married, when my number seven baby come, that he would allow me and my husband to keep that baby. And April 20th, 2007, I gave birth to 11 pounds, eight ounce, grace and mercy. 11 pounds and eight ounces. And she was two weeks early. Wow. Wow. So let's talk about another couple that came into your life that really helped you to stay sober and were really part of the reason that you were able to get to a good place to be able to get your kids back. And that is Pat and Bruce Williams. And so tell me about you going through their program. I know you went through it a couple different times, but just how they helped you to get on solid ground for good. And what was the difference Because people go through treatment all the time and come out, relapse, come out, relapse. What was the difference for you that you were able to actually do it? First of all, they lived in front of us an example. They had a healthy marriage right in front of us. You know, when I was there, they they lived at the treatment facility. They worked in us up, bringing us to meetings. They sat in the meetings with us. They introduced themselves as recovering addicts and alcoholics, saved, set free and delivered from the bondages of promiscuity, alcohol, drugs, all those type of things. They met us where we were. You know, as Paul says, you know, to the Gentiles, you become Gentiles. To the Jews, you become... They met us where we were and they helped us see triggers. They have this workbook, a spiritual 12-step workbook. And that spiritual 12-step workbook helped you look at yourself in different ways. It checked your motive, your motivation, your triggers. It just helped so much. They held prayers. They taught you how to connect with God. They taught you that small voice that you hear. That's God speaking to you. They taught you Satan speaks to you. Satan knows the word just like a Christian does. They just really just were hands-on. Because I was molested, I didn't trust anybody. I never wanted anyone to touch me. I didn't want to hug, none of that. And they always had this other couple at the door of the church and of the meetings. And every time I would come in, I'd be like, oh my God, 
these people going to hug me when I come in. But one day in Bible study, we were studying the book of John and they washed everybody's feet. Them too. He washed the men, she washed the women and they prayed. And on that day, something was broken off me into thinking that everybody who wanted a hug wanted to sexually fill on me. Mm. And they helped me get through that. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from them spiritually. And I also learned a lot from them in the natural. They really epitomize what we are talking about with wraparound love. They lived life with you. It wasn't, you know, like, okay, come to this meeting and okay, they're moving on with their life. The people they were helping, because I was around their ministry years later with you, they lived with them and they understood that people were going to fall, but were willing to walk through that, never casting anyone away. So, I mean, I hear your story and I, I just think that in this particular season, it's like God just enveloped you with people that were going to keep you safe even from yourself, but show you the love that you had been lacking your whole life. Right. When you think about that time of your life that you felt like you were loved by people who, like Pat and Bruce, who were authority figures, Mm -hmm. and by your husband who was a peer and you had a healthy relationship with a man. I mean, it's just kind of amazing to think about what God did to orchestrate so you could really be loved in that time. And so as you think about that, what are some of your reflections about how God just really brought this wraparound love to make you to a place where you were able to really turn your life around? God put people, (laughs) there's a saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It also takes a village to support an adult. You have to have people around you who will not give up on you no matter what. And some people may tire. Some people may tire of you. Don't get it wrong. I don't expect one person to feel like, one family to feel like, okay, we can conquer this family and we can help them totally and heal them. No, because there were several people for a long time in concentration. Pastor Pat and Pastor Bruce, that was my concentration and they helped me. They helped me. I now know that I should have pressed more for my children and my husband to go along with me in that counseling, but they helped me. The Merriweathers, they support my family. The Floms, the Wagners, they support my family. I can say that when God, many are called but few are chosen and when God chooses you, he puts people in your path that will help you get to where he wants you to be. It's just your choice to accept it. It's just your choice to accept it. So not only in this podcast do I want to appeal to those who can help, I also want to appeal to those who need the help as well to accept it. Because when you become from uh, being an addict, you have to always be on top of your game. But when you have people who love you and want to see you win, you don't have to play no games with them. You don't have to play no games. Matter of fact, you'll lose them if you do. You have to be honest. You have to tell the truth about everything, even if it shocks the hell out. So as we're sitting here, Barbara has tears streaming down her face, and it is amazing to reflect on what God was able to do 
through these people for your life to be really transformed. And I believe that every single person has a purpose and Satan is always wanting to steal that purpose. And so in our next episode, we're going to get a glimpse of the purpose that God had in mind for Barbara and the impact. We're going to talk next time about the impact that she was able to have on her community after coming out of that lifestyle. So we hope you join us for that. Yeah, I really want to get to the part in my life where me and your family are foreigners. to each other but we really meet and I remember the first time I'll just say this before we end I went to your mom's house I've never seen a basement come up from the steps the way it did I'm like oh my god I'm almost kind of in a mansion (laughs) and she served us meatballs with gravy and mashed potatoes it's the classic Marsha dish it's it's what all the grandkids request well my kids still requested of her because they say I don't know how to make it like she did so we'll have to get that yeah I've got it Okay. And I still I still can't do it as well. It's it's I don't know. It's the grandma love. Yeah. yeah. It's the grandma love. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We want to just ask you to do us a favor if you're enjoying this podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, we'd love for you to rate and review the podcast. That really helps other people who may not be connected to us to hear the story. And then the same thing on social media. We have Wraparound Love on Facebook and on Instagram. And please follow us. And Barbara and I occasionally have silly little things we do on there. But that's the best way to keep up with what we're doing. Next episode, we're going to talk about Barbara as the community leader. And I've never seen any woman have as many press conferences as this, as this lady has. So we're excited to share that next part with you. 